turn in your Bibles to James 5. We're going to be in those last two verses. If you don't have a copy of the Scripture with you, you can, uh, you can find the, the text in the back of our order of worship. It's uh, a fairly brief reading this evening and a fairly simple message, though we're going to uh, unpack it a little bit more. Tonight, uh, we'll wrap up James. Next Sunday, we're going to start in Daniel, the Old Testament prophet, and, uh, and work our way through Daniel in the evenings for a few months. And so, Pastor Nathan and I are looking forward to that very much. Let me pray for us, and we'll get started in James 5, 19 and 20. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together to close out this Sabbath day, to hear from you once again uh, the promises that you've made to us, to encourage us, Father, to cling to Christ. Uh, Father, we, we pray that your word uh, would sink deep into our hearts and minds tonight, that your spirit would be at work and that we would leave this place, uh, however imperceptibly changed by the Word of God, like Moses coming out of your presence with the Shekinah glory, Father, we would come out from having sat under your Word, uh, looking more like Christ. We pray that you would do this for us tonight. In Christ's name, amen. James says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a somewhat unusual way for a New Testament letter to end. Uh, ordinarily, there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, greet this person and greet that person, and I hope to come to you soon, and you can tell I'm the one writing this, but, uh, but not this evening, not in James. James simply ends with this final instruction. And this evening, we're going to consider two things. One, do not wander, and two, go after a wandering brother or sister. Do not wander and go after a wandering brother or sister. Uh, James doesn't actually issue an imperative not to wander here. He doesn't even issue an imperative to go after the brother or sister. Notice he holds it out uh, as an encouragement. He's, he's trying to appeal to us to do so rather than drive us to it. He doesn't say, my brothers, go after. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. Uh, and so he's, he's touching on the blessing that is ours in the church. And there's uh, several things here that we want to draw out tonight. This first one, do not wander. Though there is no imperative in the text, it's certainly implied. It's implied that we can wander, and that in wandering, the result of that wandering may in fact be death. Notice he says that the result of, of bringing this brother back is that you will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And so it is possible to wander away. This evening we want to talk about this. Do not wander. James takes seriously the fact of wandering. It is possible for those among you. Notice he says here, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. So he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about those in the church who appear to be a part of the church. One of our uh, cherished or treasured, I tried to say both at once, doctrines in the Reformed faith is this this doctrine that says that you, you cannot lose your salvation, that God will keep you in your salvation. And that's absolutely true. It's absolutely true from an objective perspective. But what we find throughout the New Testament, in virtually all of the authors, John, Paul, uh, here in James, is either the implication or the outright warning that if you abandon the faith, if you walk away from the church, you walk away from salvation. 
The way we've understood that in light of other passages of Scripture that say that once you're indwelt by the Spirit, once you've been brought from death to life, nothing can take you out of God's hand. Again, Romans 8, as uh, Pastor Nathan read this morning, how do we, we reconcile those passages, that teaching of Scripture, with the warnings that we find in Hebrews here in, uh, in James implicitly? Uh, what, what's happening here? That walking away and abandoning the faith, the church historically is referred to as apostasy. And apostasy is an example of being in the body, being here in the church visibly, physically, saying that you belong, confessing with your mouth, but not believing in your heart. And eventually giving, giving manifestation to that lack of faith by walking away. We have an example of this in 1 John where John explicitly uses language about this. Look at what he says. This is 1 John 2, verse 19, speaking of a group of people who rejected the the doctrine of the church and because of that left the church. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. You see, one who wanders, one who wanders away from the truth, James says here, in wandering away from that truth, begins to give evidence to the fact that they have not really believed. What's at stake here isn't the loss of salvation, but what's at stake here is the revelation of the true condition of the heart of the one who wanders this is, is something that all of, the again, the New Testament authors warn us about. Uh, we see Paul at one point coming down particularly hard on one of the churches that he's writing to, and then he, he pauses and said, but I expect better things of you if you remain in the faith, if you continue to cling to Christ. You've heard me talk about it before if you've been around for very long in our counseling uh, as pastors one of the, the, the things that brings people to us for counseling is they're struggling with assurance of salvation. And Pastor Nathan and I do not uh, say to them, well, do you, did you write it down in the front of your Bible the night that you, you believed uh, with the date and a witness? I mean, if you prayed that prayer, nothing bad can happen to you. you you're saved forever, right? No, what, what we do is what the New Testament does. We say to them, are you believing? Because God's promise is inviolable, those who believe are saved. Are you believing? Are you trusting in Christ? Are you repenting of your sins? Do you grieve and hate your sin? These are evidences of one who belongs to Christ. And James this evening is talking about one who wanders away from these things. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, we wander away from the truth. Now, in our day and age, truth is often a reference to some fact, some, uh, some idea. Uh, it's it's a, a thought thing, the truth. But in Scripture, in the New Testament, and this, this comes into the church in the first century right out of the, the Jewish faith that preceded it, the truth refers not only to those, those facts, but truth refers to how we live. When James says here, wanders away from the truth, He's not just talking about an idea, not just talking about a fact. He's not just talking about, in our Christian context, a doctrine. But he is talking about walking away from a person, walking away from Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. 
And he acknowledges that it's going to happen if anyone among you wanders from the truth. We have to take this seriously. Someone who seems to believe may actually reveal otherwise by walking away, and the New Testament is full of warnings not to walk away. The warnings are given to the church, not those outside the church. So this evening, and I want to spend a little more time on our second point, go after a wandering brother or sister. With this acknowledgement of the truth fresh in our minds then, that it is possible to walk away, to wander away, James addresses himself to the church and those who do not wander. He says that if you will go after the one who wanders and bring him back, you will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. We see in James' instruction a very great benefit of the church. It's designed this way for our good. When we wander, someone should be there to bring us back. It's, uh, it's an unfortunate element of American culture, that we are so deeply individualistic. Uh, and that, of course, has, has worked its way into our churches, no matter how faithful they are. It's, it's, uh, it's a pattern of thinking and a, a way of living in, in our lives individually, in our homes, and even in our churches. We tend to think far too individualistically about the Christian life. But God is not only saving individual people for himself, he is saving a church. He saves each of us individually and gives us to one another in the church. We saw that in Ephesians, right? In the study that we've been doing on Sunday mornings. He gives us to one another in the church for our good. So that when we, we look at the instructions, the, the ethical instruction in the book of Ephesians, in chapters 4 through 6, uh, Paul is, is frequently saying things uh, about how we should live with one another. Don't do this to one another. Do this with one another. Instruction about what it looks like to live in community. We, it, it doesn't always feel this way, right? Let's be honest. It doesn't always feel this way, but we are gifts given to one another in the church. The church is a structure that God is building up as a brother, as every brother and sister is added to that church. James' instruction here points to a very great benefit of the church that when we wander, someone should be there to bring us back. But in order to do this, there are several things that we must know or do. The first is we need to know the truth. In order to recognize when somebody's wandering from the truth, we need to know the truth. We need to know the gospel, the good news, the promises that are given. Often nowadays, at least in younger people, it's been my observation, when they walk away from the church, when they walk away from the faith, it's because they don't understand the promises of God. They've misunderstood those promises. They don't, they don't recognize the fulfillment of those promises in their life now or the call to patiently wait for the perfect and final fulfillment of those promises in the future. And for this reason, they, they walk away from the faith because ultimately they've not known the truth. In order for us to recognize that others are walking away from the truth, we need to know what that truth is. Of course, your pastors and your elders have been called, above all, to know this, to know this truth and to, to be looking in the congregation, watching as, uh, as under-shepherds. There's a reason that, that sheep and flocks are the image that's used of church, churches and Christians we are prone to wander, right, as the, psalm, as the uh, hymn writer says. 
In order to bring one another back, we need to know the truth. In order to bring one another back, we must know one another. This is a a vital part of what it is to be in the church. Uh, This is one of the most important things that, that must be true in order for us to be watching for wandering sheep. We need to know one another. We need to care about one another. We need to know one another well enough to recognize when somebody's missing. We need to know one another well enough to to understand how each of us is wrestling with the faith, how each of us is struggling in this Christian life. In order to bring one another back, we need to know one another. And in order to bring one another back, we must love one another. Love is what motivates us to go and bring the other back. I titled the sermon tonight, The Wounds of a Friend. It's a reference to the proverb that says uh, that the wounds of a friend, and I'm going to pull it up real quick, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Uh, You see, often when we go after someone who's wandering, there are hard things that need to be said. And we need to say them in love. We need to be patient as we say them. But our desire in going after them is for their good and for the good of the church. And so sometimes we have to say difficult things. Love is is what must motivate us to go after those who wander. We, uh, We pursue one another in wandering informally. That is, any one of you can go after someone who's wandering If you are aware of someone who is wandering from the truth, wandering from the gospel, wandering from the life that we are called to live as Christians, you are empowered in Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, to pursue them and call them back to the faith, to encourage them in the faith, to make sure they know the truth. We do it formally as a session, as elders, ruling and teaching elders, The responsibility is ours. Where James encourages you to go after those who are wandering, we are commanded and will be held accountable by our Savior, the great shepherd, to whom we are an under-shepherd. We are required to go after those who wander. And even as a session, we can do this informally, and that's where we begin usually. Or we can do it formally. Uh, we, we can bring to bear the authority of the Word of God that is, is granted to the session in order to carry out its responsibility. And we may even have to come to the point of entering into formal discipline, intended not as a punishment, it's not punitive, it's intended to increasingly impress upon you when you wander that what you're doing is dangerous to your soul. James shows us here that it's a great blessing to belong to the church, to be known by the church and in the church, that when we wander, and if you're a Christian long enough, uh, it's, it's not inconceivable that you will or that you will be tempted to do so. The church, brothers and sisters in the church, ought to love you well enough, ought to know you well enough to come after you and to bring you back. When we pursue a wandering member of the flock, it's really Christ, the good shepherd, who pursues that that wandering sheep. And we are the instruments by which the good shepherd does his work. And so we pursue patiently. We pursue lovingly. We pursue by proclaiming the truth. We pursue in prayer. There may may come a point in time in the pursuit of a, a brother or sister who has wandered away that they will no longer 
answer you. They will no longer answer your phone calls, your texts. They won't meet with you. They don't want to hear it. They know what you're going to say. You've said it before. They're not going to listen to it. And still we pursue them in prayer. We pray that God would give us opportunities to speak with them. We pray that God would be at work in their heart, uh, pursuing them himself. We pray that God would put other people in their life that they might be more willing to listen to or who maybe are, are more capable of saying to them, speaking to them the truth that needs to be spoken so that they will hear and believe and come back. When you are the one pursued, repent. Don't let pride keep you from acknowledging your sin and great danger. Uh, my observation has been in pastoral ministry that there are two reasons people won't turn and come back when they're pursued. Pride. They know they're wrong, but they, they just can't bring themselves to admit that what they've done is wrong. Pride keeps them from being willing to come back. The other is, is just a sinful desire. Whatever it is that's that's drawn them away, caused them to wander. You know, when, when I was a kid and we went to these places called shopping malls, and, uh, and as a kid you got lost, it was usually uh, because something caught your eye uh, and you, you peeled off and were, were drawn towards this thing. You stopped walking when your family kept walking. Uh, my, uh, the professor I was closest with in seminary, a man named John Hanna, uh, used to say to us, and you've, you've probably heard me say this before, but he used to say, uh, men, when someone leaves the church and leaves Christ, it is because they believe they have found something more beautiful than Christ. There's something more glorious than Christ, and they would rather have that than him. If you are wandering from the faith, don't let your pride keep you from acknowledging your sin and great danger. And don't ever believe, if, if you find yourself uh, with a brother or sister metaphorically shaking you out of a stupor saying, that thing that seems so beautiful, that seems so precious, that seems so necessary for you is not Christ and it cannot save you and in fact it will lead you to death. Wake up hear this message and know that no matter how hard the thing is that must be said, the brother or sister who's saying it to you is saying it out of love. Uh, I can't think of a single time our session's engaged in discipline and we looked at one another around the room and said, man, I'm having the time of my life. Isn't this so much fun? Isn't the power intoxicating? Usually, usually, we are in tears, heartbroken, as one we have loved is abandoning the faith. We don't do it because we want to. Honestly, left to myself and without a deep sense of calling, I probably would not do it or do it well. It is no fun. Nobody wants to be there. But listen, if you are wandering from the faith and there's a brother or sister in front of you saying to you, stop. Turn around. Come back. They're not having any fun either. It is love that has them standing in front of you. What a great blessing it is to be given to one another in the church. Every one of us uh, are full of weakness, prone to wander, 
and if left to myself, I would find some way to get lost. But thanks be to God that he has placed men and women in this congregation that I pray would never let me do that, that would pursue me to the end. And we as a session have promised to pursue you, and I hope that you, if you're not a member of our session, that you will pursue your brothers and sisters as well. Let's all of us together pay attention. And where we see a brother or sister struggling, where we see a brother or sister wandering, let's, let's call them back. Let's bring them back. The good shepherd is pursuing them, and we are the instruments by which he is making that pursuit. I wanna, it's, it's such a brief text. I want to close this evening by reading it one more time and especially pointing you back to the outcome of, of bringing someone back. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's pray.